You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville local lead pastor, Joe Kuyar. Hey there, my name is Joe Kuyar, and I'm the local lead pastor at Renovation Church Greenville. This past Sunday, I did a teaching on identity and purpose, and during that teaching, we had a little bit of some equipment failure, and so we weren't able to capture what we needed for the podcast, and I was encouraged by some people to go ahead and redo this teaching so that we had it for the podcast. So today is going to sound a little bit different than it normally does, but I really am excited about jumping back into this topic to talk about identity and purpose. I believe that each and every one of us has a unique purpose for our lives, a purpose that God has specifically designed for us. And everything in our life begins to change when we best understand that purpose and begin to live it out. I also feel like the world changes around us because of the people of God living with God-designed purpose. I've often asked myself the question, how is the world a better place because I'm alive? And I really do feel like that the answer to that question is found in this discussion and understanding of purpose. And so today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version today. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I've been in ministry for 23 years. And during that period of time, I've been asked a question over and over and over again. And it's come up just so many times. And the question is, what is my purpose for living? And I think that deep in our souls, we know that we are designed to live for more than just wealth or status or power. And those metrics, completely absent of God's influence, it makes a lot of sense that we would try to define our purpose based on wealth, status, or power. And just to be clear, those things aren't necessarily bad things. And I wouldn't mind having a little bit more money, but, <laughs> but ultimately when this becomes our metric for success, we're just left with emptiness. And I've just seen that happen time and time again when I've talked to people that have used that as their metric of success and purpose, that they just end up with this empty void inside of their souls. But the reality is, is my hunch is that you already know that. Deep inside of your soul, you understand that you were designed for more. When I was a child, I decided to become a follower of Jesus. I, I understood sin, and I understood that it separated me from God, and I understood that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I wanted Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, and my parents were believers, and so church was a major part of our lives, and so naturally, I continued to grow in this understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus. But the summer before my 10th grade year, God did something really, really special I attended a camp up in Indiana with my church's youth group. And in case you don't are not familiar with that language, uh, a, tr- a church youth group is what we now call student ministry, right? So for all those who understand that from back in the day, remember youth group, right? 
Um, we're old and it's okay. But during <laughs> while we were up in Indiana with the church's youth group, um, we we attended this camp. And during one of the evening sessions, the speaker who was there, he he had talked the whole week about purpose and calling. But one particular evening, he really focused in on this idea of like purpose and being called to the ministry. That night, something really shifted inside of me. I walked into, the only way I know how to describe it is a deeper understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus. The commitment I had made as a child, it that was still a real thing, but it started moving into some being something different, something deeper. And the only way I know how to really describe it is that night, I felt the desire to allocate as much of my life as I could to the Lord and to furthering his kingdom. Now, back then, I understood that as being called to ministry. And for those of you unfamiliar with that language, being called to ministry meant that you were called to vocational ministry or full-time ministry. And I'm going to get back to that story in a little bit. So I, I just need you to hold on to that thought, and I'll, I'll get back to finishing that story and why it was important to share that story. In the last several weeks, I've walked with several people that have been asking me questions about purpose and calling, and that comes as no surprise we're in this series called Called by God, and it always is funny because the series that we pick for Sunday mornings, it always seems to either bring up questions from people in the church or it's answering questions that they had that, you know, that, that they were trying to figure out even how to ask. And so it comes as no surprise that this question would come up a good bit. But whether people are discussing purpose or calling, I think a lot of times they're using different words for many of the same thoughts. Most people don't realize that God has absolutely hardwired us to ask these questions. And when answering questions of purpose, I really do think that we have to kind of rewind and first address questions of identity. And that is exactly what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 does. It addresses this question of identity for those who are called by God, right? We forget that being a Christian in the time of the New Testament was a huge cultural and religious step. And that is why many New Testament writers focus so much on this topic of identity. They're trying to help new believers understand that they had a new identity in Christ. And so let's go back to my story where I felt called to the ministry. The reality is, it's true. I was called to ministry. But what I didn't understand at that time is that all followers are called to the ministry. And let me explain this. Simply put, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called by God. I'm going to say that one more time. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are called by God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're first called by God to salvation But additionally, you are called by God to accomplish his purposes. And this is so important because I believe so many believers have confused this idea of calling. Essentially, we have limited the language of calling to those who feel called to the ministry. And then we put those people that are called to the ministry in an office full time at a church. And that separates out the majority of the body of Christ from finding a God-given purpose for their lives. And it really narrowly defines what it means 
to minister to others. Now, I think it's so important that we dive into scripture with this idea. What, what does this mean? What, what does ministry look like? Ephesians 4 verses 11 and 12 really kind of tell us what the work of the ministry looks like. This is what this passage says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ. I think most people don't realize this, but my job isn't primarily to do the work of the ministry. According to Ephesians 4, my primary job is to equip the saints. Those of you who are called by God, the church, my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so looking at the text of 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, we see Peter talking to followers of Jesus and describing those followers with very, very specific identifiers. I think each one of these are significant in understanding what our purpose is as Christians. And so let's let's dive into those identifiers that Peter used to describe those who are called by God. Those who are called by God are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession. Now, let's break down these identifiers section by section. A chosen people, when the church is described as a chosen people, it's not because of anything we have accomplished, but because God chose it. And in the Old Testament, Israel was set apart as God's chosen people. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus, now every Christian is invited to being part of the chosen people of God. That is amazing news. That should make us jump for joy because that is incredible for us to to comprehend that we are the chosen people of God, right? Peter also describes us as a royal priesthood. When the people of God are described as a royal priesthood, it's really important to understand that in the Old Testament, the offices of royalty and priesthood were jealously separated in Israel. But Jesus, who is our king and our priest, has brought them together for his people. And that is great news for us. That is the, 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 the marriage of those things, that royal priesthood, that is, that is super important for us to understand in this New Testament period of time and, and post-New Testament time, right? A holy nation, God's special people. When Peter describes the people of God as a holy nation and God's special possession, he is applying the descriptions of the Israelites in the Old Testament to Christians. As God's chosen ones, Christians are to proclaim the excellencies of the one who summoned them from darkness and ushered them into his marvelous light. You know, I love this imagery that is this imagery that is God's special possession. I, I don't know if you guys like going to museums. Back in 2019, my family and I, we went up to DC and we went to the Smithsonian. And I, I happen to have a really special place in my heart for museums. I, th- I think they're pretty, pretty awesome, right? And a lot of times museums are just kind of filled with normal stuff. Like you have a pair of shoes or some glasses or a hat. And it's not that those objects are necessarily special, but it's the fact that somebody famous owned those objects. And that's kind of how we need to see this, this idea of God's special possession. In the same way, when because God chooses us, that's actually what makes us special. God takes 
ordinary people, very normal people. And because he works in them, they are special. You know, I have this picture that uh, my fourth kiddo, Miles, he, he made for me. We ate at a place called Maggiano's uh, in January of this past year. And, you know, it, Maggiano's, if you've never had it, it's amazing. They have steak medallions. It's incredible. You should totally go to it (laughs) in Atlanta or in Charlotte, right? But awesome restaurant. And we were eating there with a family dinner. And my buddy Miles, um, fourth kiddo, he drew this picture for me on the back of this kid's menu. And it was a picture of him and it was a picture of me. And around me, there's all these hearts going on. And what he was saying is that that was my love for him and then his love for me. And this picture, you know, this kid's meal, this kid's menu that that I that we we he drew this on made it all the way from Florida back to Greenville, South Carolina, and has been sitting on my desk since that point. And I don't have the heart to get rid of it because this Maggiano's kids mini that's meant to be really disposed of now has this artwork on it. And it and honestly his description of it was so meaningful to me. And that's kind of a little bit of how this whole thing works. We like God takes ordinary, ordinary things and makes them incredibly special. So let's look, let's think about these identifiers again. A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. These are very, very specific identifiers. But how can we take these identifiers and apply them to our lives? I think that if we're going to live as a chosen people, we should just constantly live with gratitude, to live with gratitude. The more self-focused we have become as a society, the more rare gratitude has become. And the current narrative of things is always talking about my needs or what makes me happy or me, 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 me. The thing is gratitude forces the exact opposite. In a me culture, gratitude says, well, you did this. And I think it's kind of important to, to think about this because the people of God should always be people that are full of gratitude. I think that's actually kind of the basis of a lot of worship is that we should be thankful to God for what he has done for us. But I want you to stop and take this in for a moment. God chose us. We were chosen by the king of the universe. And that thought in and of itself, it should fill us with gratitude. Now, I know you may be thinking, Joe, you don't understand my life, or Joe, you don't know how hard things are right now. And the reality is, you're right. I don't know how hard things are right now. I have no clue. But what I do know is that God is crazy about you, and he loves you enough to send his son to die in your place so that you and I can have eternal life with him. That prize, that that treasure is enough to put any circumstance into proper focus. I really do believe that gratitude should always be on the lips of the people of God. And when people look at Christians, they should be marked as a grateful people, people that are constantly full of gratitude. So I think it's really important that we live with gratitude, that we are people that are full of gratitude. 
Now, if we were to use a second identifier, if we were to live as a royal priesthood, I think we need to learn to live with God purpose. A royal priesthood connects the purposes of God with what needs need to be done here on this earth. Now, I know that this is a really weird way of phrasing this, you know, when you start talking about God purpose, because there's, I mean, there's so many books and, and things when it comes to, to purpose, like all these self-help books and all like that. But I was really intentional about that statement, live with God purpose. And I really do think it's the right way of phrasing it. Now, you remember the question that I'm asked pretty frequently, like, what is my purpose for living? The reality is it would be impossible for me to answer that question for you. I know that you and I are not designers of purpose for li- for our lives. Only God is the designer of those sorts of things. But I've also learned that solid, faithful, biblical community and godly friendship is the best way to extract what our God purpose is. These relationships that we have, they help us identify the God-given strengths that we have. A couple of weeks ago, I was conversing with someone about a project I was involved with. And as I was explaining the situation, and I really was feeling this like great urgency about this project, being able to get from point A to point B. And this person just kind of like quickly interjected this kind of thing. And they said, Joe, that makes total sense that you would have a burden for that. God has given you a gift of leadership. What's so funny about the whole story is that my day in and day out, I'm, I'm in several leadership capacities every week. Um, I would actually argue that there's a large part of my job that primarily focuses on leadership. And I've been in leadership capacities for a large part of my life. But when that person said that to me, I needed that reminder. I needed that reminder from biblical community, right? And biblical community reminded me of something that I knew in the moment, but I kind of had kind of forgotten about. And that conversation reminded me about God-given strengths and, and honestly, some God-given purposes that I believe the Lord has for me. This is the thing. Every one, single one of us has strengths. Some of us are organizers. Some of us are highly adaptable. Some of us are creative thinkers. Some of us are, are problem solvers, right? And I'm convinced that your God-given strengths will reach their fullest potential when matched with a God-designed purpose. That's important enough that I want to say it one more time. I'm convinced that your God-given strengths will reach their fullest potential when matched with a God-designed purpose. Let's look at some examples. You may be good at organizing, so naturally you keep things together at your house or whatever, right? But what purpose does God have with that strength? Maybe it could be to help a local food bank run more effectively to help those in need. Maybe God has given you the strength of hospitality. I, I could tell you this, God has not given me the strength of hospitality. If you come over to my house, I show you where the fridge is. I'm saying, hey, make yourself at home. <laughs> but, but maybe God has given you the strength of hospitality, right? You may love hosting people in your home, making sure that every detail is intentionally placed. What if God used that strength to welcome people into a church building so that they felt comfortable and they felt welcomed? You get the point. God takes these strengths that he has distributed to his people 
And these strengths are not for our good, but it's for the building of the kingdom of God here on this earth. And I believe that when we identify strengths based on what God says and what the people of God see, we start to get a clearer picture of what our God purpose is. We need to live our God purpose. This earth needs us to live our God purpose, right? So if we should live with gratitude and we've, if we should live with God purpose, and if we're to live as a holy nation in God's special possession, I really do think that we should choose to live set apart. We need to choose to live set apart. Now, the word holy is not really used in our modern day vocabulary. This is important. God alone is absolutely holy, separate from everything else and entirely sinless. He is set apart as the one who should be worshiped, but God consecrates things and people. He calls us holy, not meaning that he would worship us, but that he set us apart from sin, designed us to worship him in every moment and will one day perfect us in holiness. Now, as believers, there should be an invitation every day to ask the Holy Spirit to help us become more like Jesus. We as believers are meant to live differently than those who don't know Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. We don't really have a good mental container for salt losing its saltiness. I've never like opened up a container of salt and be like, huh, this is not quite as salty as it used to be. <laughs> but that's partially because of the way we collect it now is very different than the way that salt was collected back in the day. Instead of evaporation from salt water, 2,000 years ago, salt was mined from salt marshes and had a whole lot of impurities in it. If water was added to the mix, the salt would dissolve from the impurities, leaving behind a worthless residue. We like to think of sugar as the opposite of salt, but Jesus's comparison in a more modern context, if we're going to try to understand it, would be more like putting sand in a salt shaker. Now, imagine I had a salt shaker filled with sand, and it's a movie night, and I'm about to sit down and watch a movie, and so I've, I've made some popcorn, and I've got this salt shaker filled with its quote-unquote salt, which is actually sand, and I'm pouring that on my popcorn. The reality is I would be very disappointed. <laughs> I'd be extremely disappointed if there was sand on my popcorn, right? The thing is, when the world is looking at Christians to be different, to love their neighbors, to be like Jesus, I think that the world ends up being pretty disappointed by how Christians act. Our job as believers is to live our lives different from the world. This is not just limited to how we behave, but also to our day-to-day -day choices. Now, these questions I'm about to ask, they're, they're not meant to bring about guilt or they're not, they're not really meant to, to make you feel like you're stuck. But I do believe that so many times Christians make choices that look exactly like the world. And I think that, that there's an opportunity here to ask questions that could potentially 
change our thinking with that. So let's take a moment. I'm going to ask these questions. Let's take a moment to ask the Lord to search our hearts, to, to bring to our minds whatever he needs to bring to our minds right now. Could someone identify us as Jesus followers based on our music or movie or TV choices? What about our work ethic? Could they identify us as a Jesus follower based on how we work? Maybe, how, maybe in how we treat others or based on our generosity or by our patience. Lord, would you bring to our minds areas in which we need to change, areas in which we need to live a life that is different, that is set apart. You know, Martin Luther has this this great quote. I love Martin Luther tremendously. And this quote, I think, is kind of important in trying to understand the cost of following Jesus. He goes this, he says this, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. I'm going to say that one more time. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. Let's close out in prayer. Father, we want to honor you with our lives. And God, I pray that we would be a people that are full of gratitude, that that there would not be a circumstance that would overwhelm us, but Lord, that we, as your followers, would be able to always go into our hearts and think about your sacrifice for us, and that, Lord, that we'd be filled with gratitude in every single moment. God, I do pray that you would help us find our purpose that you have designed for us, and that, Lord, that in understanding our identity and understanding how we've been set apart in so many ways that God, that through that understanding that we'd be able to walk in the purposes that you have designed for us. And Lord, I do pray that, that we would be a people that live differently from the world, that when we have the option to respond in anger, that Lord, that we would not do that. When we have the option of complaining or grumbling, that Father, that we would not do that. That Lord, that, that the way we live and the and the things that we do, that it would look so radically different from the world that it would be obvious that we are followers of you. And so, Lord, would, would you help us with all these areas? Would you help each and every one of us become more like you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at the Renovation. Church.